Jesus from afar, he ran and worshiped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by the God, by God, that you do not torment me. For he said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. Unclean spirit. We're going to go to verse 18. I start laughing because <laughs> my wife and I, we go to bed, we, we have uh, uh, the word playing. We let the word play, the Bible. And uh, sometimes we have it where they're just reading the Bible straight through. Sometimes they're going, we have one that we like to watch, uh, but they listen, well, it plays while we're going to sleep. Or they're just going around, you know, giving psalms and encouraging things and stuff like that. But one of the ones we watch all the time is they'll read the Bible straight through. And whenever they get these gospels, then they start reading. It's like they're acting out. And you hit this part about the demons, it'll be like, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? And you know, when you're trying to go to sleep, that's like, So, amen. So that just, you may want to start in like Acts or something. No, don't start in Romans or something like that. All right. Go down to verse 18, please. Verse 18 through 20. This is the last section here. You got it? Okay, let's read this final part together. Ready to read. And when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. This morning I want to use for a subject for this special launch day from a problem to a preacher. From a problem to a preacher. Father God, thank you for giving us the opportunity right now to spend this time in your word. I thank you that your people, Lord, uh, are gathered here, and I pray that we have ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to receive all that you will speak to us. Lord, let me have clarity in thought, clarity of, of speech, and I pray, Father, that every heart will be ready to receive, grab hold of, comprehend, and to lay hold of what you send for us today. Speak from heaven. Let your authority be upon this word. Let your anointing be upon this word. Let it change us from the inside out, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. and amen. All right, you may be seated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. From a problem to a preacher. From a problem to a preacher. That is my testimony. From a problem to a preacher. In fact, it was 33 years ago Yesterday, that God called me. He saved me. Not called me into the ministry, but he saved me. I told a story many times. It was 1989, February the 12th, that I was outside running around as a teenager with all of my other teenage friends, and we doing our own thing while service was going on. And all of a sudden, I was just drawn, compelled by the Spirit of God to come into the church, of, of, come back into the church. And I remember sitting on the back row. This is the church I grew up in sitting in the back row, and as the pastor, which is my, old, my eldest brother, uh, as he made the altar call, I found myself at the altar. I don't, I don't remember the trip. I don't remember how I got from the back row to the altar, but I was at the altar in an instant and crying out to Jesus Christ to save, save my life, and he did. So I celebrate today 33 years of walking with the Lord. From a problem to a preacher. It's the same story we look at today. This man who was a problem, he's now a preacher. Most of us in this room have a, some story about how Jesus Christ changed our lives. We've heard testimonies. We've shared things about how he's changed our lives. But we all have come from some sort of hopeless, some sort of sad situation, some sort of desperate situation, some place where we couldn't break out of our sin. We couldn't break out of our addictions. We couldn't break out of our habits. We couldn't stop any of our hang-ups. Jesus Christ came along and saved us. Right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And minute, those stories that we have, again, they're meant to be told. They're meant to be shared. They're not meant for us to store up and one day when we get to heaven, talk about what God has done for us. But it's meant that we begin to share even now, right now with people, the things God has done to change all of our lives. Now, many people that you share your testimony with 
in the world, they don't know they have a problem. Some people think life is just great. People operate, go along because they have a good, a decent job, and they have a home, or they have a family, and they have clothes, and they can go out to eat. They think life is fine. And don't realize that every person must stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Every one of us, the Bible says, must give an account of every deed done in our bodies. And they don't know that they need Jesus Christ. And many people think that they're walking in liberty, walking in freedom when they're actually bound. But they say, oh, I, I smoke this because I'm free to smoke it. <laughs> they don't understand, no, they're bound to smoke it. They sleep around because they think, well, I'm free. This whole, you know, I don't know if some of y'all have heard this, but this week um, there are several college campuses around the country who are celebrating something called Sex Week. That in their desire to express sexual freedom, that's why college campuses are so dangerous. <laughs> They're celebrating their freedom, their liberty to just have sex. Do what you want. Just You know, if it feels good, do it. It's your thing. Do what you want to do. <laughs> but they, don't, they don't know the things that come when you do what you want to do. Well, they didn't get pregnant. It's more than just pregnancy. A lot more problems than getting pregnant. Glory to God. If you get pregnant, what the Bible says, children are a blessing from the Lord. So pregnancy isn't the problem. <laughs> Some other little bugs you come up with. <laughs> Y'all not saying that. So, so people think they're free, but in reality they're bound. How many of y'all remember when you were bound, but you thought you were free? The only thing that saved us and got us free was Jesus Christ. Can somebody say amen? amen? Now, there are other people who they know they have problems. They know their life is just one big problem. But in their opinion, it's too far or too big. It's unfixable. It's unfixable. In they've tried rehab. They've tried counseling. They've tried um. They, they've tried going to church even. They've tried to just cold turkey stop what they, what they were doing. And nothing worked. Remember that woman with issue of blood? Fifth chapter, later on in this same chapter, who the Bible says she had suffered many things and many physicians and had spent all she had. She had a problem that was, that was in man's terms, unfixable. But she had heard about Jesus. You see, there are people who they know their life is a mess, but they've not heard about Jesus. Why? Because many of us have gotten too, too, too comfortable not sharing the gospel. We're excited even about what Jesus Christ has done for us, but maybe we've lost some of that excitement to the point that now we don't share the gospel with anybody anymore. Hallelujah. People, who, when they're in trouble like that, they try anything. They'll, they'll try counseling. They'll try rehab. People try moving to a different city and think the location is going to change, change their problem. How many of y'all moving and found out that the, that the location didn't fix it? Because wherever you go, that's where you are. Wherever you go, there you are. The problem is not where you are. The problem is who you are. The problem is on the inside, not on the outside. And so no matter what we try, until we try Jesus... He'll make everything all right. Jesus is able to help people in no matter what situation that they may be in. I think if every one of us were to put our testimonies together about promiscuity, we've heard about perversion, we've heard about alcoholism, we've heard about drug addiction, we've heard about being abused, we've heard about being cheated on, we've heard about being a horrible liar, we've heard about, I don't know if anybody talked about being a liar, but I'm sure it's in there somewhere. It's, I'm sure it's on your roll. It's on, it's on your roll. Somebody on your roll. But we've heard about all kind of issues that we have. But if we were to take a handful of us and put us together, we probably could not match the severity of the problem in this guy in Mark chapter 5. If we were to put all of our issues together, we couldn't match the intensity of this man's problem. This man 
who often we call the maniac of Gadara, was in a bad situation. He's in a city, an area, who, if you know, if you study it out, the name, the word Gadara means, or some we, some, we might read it, the Gadarenes. This is the country of the Gadarenes, where the Gadarenes live, but the area is called Gadara. It literally means reward at the end. It means a place where there's supposed to be great reward. And this man who lives there, he's a Gadarene, his life is a total mess. Nothing rewarded about his life whatsoever. His life is a total wreck. Something that he cannot fix. And we'll see here others who tried to fix him couldn't fix him. And what happens when you get to a place where things seem unfixable, many times people resort to just, well, it's unfixable. This is just my lot in life. This is just who I am. This is just what I am. This is just the way it's going to be. And they resolve that I'm going to live and die like this. Have you ever seen anybody like that? They run into alcoholism. They just resolve, I've tried it. I couldn't stop it. I'm just going to live and die an alcoholic. And I'm just going to drink my liver into an oblivion and die one day. They smoke crack cocaine or they, they take heroin or, meth, or, or they smoke meth, whatever it is, and they try to stop it. Everything goes, goes to pits, but they resolve, I can't stop it. I've tried it. I've tried this over here, tried that over there. Nothing can fix it. I'm just resolved. I'm just going to live and die like this. Y'all know anybody like that? Yes. That you see them, people, even in your family, you say, when are you going to get your life straightened out? You're 40 years old. When are you going to get straight? You're 50. You're 60. You're 70 years old. You're still living like that. When are you going to get a result? When are you going to fix this in your life? You still a hoe after 60 years? You still a player, dog? You still a player? When are you going to get tired, player? is the player can't stop himself. That promiscuous woman, that promiscuous child, they can't stop themselves. Because they're under bondage. They're enslaved to sin. But their slavery, their their bondage is no different than the same slavery and the same bondage that you and I were once in. And somehow the Lord found us. Somehow the Lord reached down. Somehow the Lord rescued every one of us. So then what must happen is that our heart must become drawn to those who are in that same bondage. Drawn to those who are in that same addiction. Drawn to those who are in that same enslavement. And rather than us criticize and ridicule them and ostracize them. We need to say, I recognize where you are because I used to be there. And I want to tell you my story. And rather than church folk always act like we always been saved. Rather than act like we were born with the Holy Ghost out of the womb. We Take our testimony, write it out, share it, put it on video, tell it. I used to be. Some of y'all might have said it just like this, I used to be a hoe. Y'all didn't say nothing, y'all just. See, see, y'all, 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 y'all don't went, y'all don't went sanctified holiness on me. See, when you go, you go, in my text, I used to be promiscuous. No, nobody know what no promiscuous means. Nobody know what no promiscuous means. But you said, I used to be a hoe. I used to sleep around. I used to sleep with every Tom, Dick, Harry, Susie, Jane, and Paul. People understand that. Deep in King James, um, I used to be a wine bibber. Nobody know what no wine bibber is. No, I used to be a stink slopping drunk. Sir, 
good for a while. It felt good for a while, but one day it stopped feeling good. Because your Bible says the pleasures of sin are only for a season. That's why we spend so much time trying to warn our young people, trying to warn people, hey, don't go there because it might feel good, but it's only for a season. At some point, that sin turns from a treat to a trap. try to trap birds, they don't, they don't put an a alligator in the trap. They put a treat in the trap. Something enticing. And we try to get people to understand what you, what you find so pleasurable, what you find so enjoyable right now, one day it'll switch and you don't know what day it's going to switch. It's going to switch from enjoyable to miserable. So if I can help you avoid the trap now, so this man in Mark 5, he was in bad shape. He was in critical condition. You don't find many recorded in scripture who were in a more critical condition. You don't find many in scripture who had a worse situation. Most of us have never met a person on this planet who was in a situation this bad. My point being with that is that if Jesus can come along yes, and change this man's condition, then your cousin who's doing mess, then your son who's on weed, your daughter who might be promiscuous, if God can touch this man, he can touch your child. just holler real quick for me. Just holler one time. Look at this situation here. Look at this. Look at this. Look at it. 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 In Mark 5, verse 1, then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs. I want you to see this man's condition. Out of the tombs, out of the tombs, a man with what? With an unclean spirit. Now this guy is in, is in trouble. He's in the tombs. It says, verse 3, now I'm going to get back to the unclean spirit. Who had his dwelling, had his dwelling among the tombs. In other words, that's where he hung out. That's where he, he made his abode there. He, he, his, his, he lived there. He was, that's where he was comfortable. In the tombs. And no one, watch, watch the situation here. And no one could bind him. Now, I know y'all know this story, but just, just, just go along with me. No one could bind him, which means they tried. They put an ankle monitor on him. They, they put him on probation. They put him on house arrest and still couldn't bind him. He was on papers and still found a way to do evil. No one could bind him, not even with, with chains. Even when they tried to handcuff him. Because he had often, verse 4, been bound. He had often been bound. He had often been bound. So they were able to somehow get a hold of him and put the chains on him. Put the fetters on him. But the chains have been pulled apart by him. I want you to imagine they put some chains on him 
and he busts those chains apart, and they come back and say, okay, they, they call a blacksmith, okay, this next set of chains, we're going to go a little thicker. Because he, he got out of those, but if you go a little thicker, Mr. Blacksmith, I'm sure he can't, he can't, uh, you got these chains here, the ironwork, whatever they call. And he, he, they put these new chains on him, and he breaks out of those chains too. And they say, okay, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to double up. I want you to see, they didn't just put the same chains on him over and over again. What probation didn't do, okay, we're going to, this time we're going we're gonna to give you 30 days plus one. This, okay, next time we're going to give you a year and a day. All right, all right, you ain't learned your lesson yet. Okay, we're going we gonna to send you away for five years. <laughs> he went from jail now to prison. I want you to see this here. They're anticipating every time, trying to control him. Okay, what we're going to do, we're going to put you in a program too. We're going to go to maximum security. You're going to be in the hole. Let you see daylight one hour out of the day. They're doing what they can in the natural, trying to tame this man. And the Bible says the chains have been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. And this man, he's not naturally strong. He has an unclean spirit. And always, verse 5, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself. Whew. Night and day. Now, why is it that he's crying out? Why is it that he's now cutting himself? It's because this man... He's trying to get whatever's in him out. Because when a person is possessed with demons, they don't disappear. Their spirit and their soul is still on the inside. You are a spirit, you have a soul. And your soul, meaning your mind, will, and emotion still function. Do you realize your mind, will, and emotion, your soul will still function even after you die? Even after death, you and I, our soul will still be able to feel and think. Jesus taught us that when he gave us the story of the man uh, who, who died and went into hell. That rich man who cried out. He could feel, he could think. You never lose that. So when the demons possess this man, his mind and emotions are, are going crazy. He knows he wants to be free. The same way I'm telling you, every person who's strung out and every person who's addicted, every person who's got a hang-up, every person who's bound by something, in, they really want to be free. What they used to enjoy is no longer enjoyable. What they started out controlling now controls them. That's the whole alert enticement of drugs and alcohol and any kind of addiction is at first you start out with you're in control. I'm going to smoke it when I want to smoke it. I'm going to do a line when I want to do a line. I'm going to drink when I want to drink. I'm going I'm to call them when I want to call them. But that thing flips. And what you used to control now controls you. But you're still in there. And so this man, his, his soul is going crazy. So now he's cutting himself with stones because he's trying to somehow end this thing. He's trying to somehow escape. He's trapped in his own demon-riddled body. That's why we see so many people when they're in sin and that sin is now out of control, they become suicidal, depressed. Why? They're being oppressed by a wicked one. Come on now. And they try, I'm going to take this antidepressant what the antidepressant does is it invites more demons. I'm going to try to drink my, my, my way out of all this pain I'm feeling because of what I've been doing. But the drinking just invites more demons. Help me somebody. 
And what they do to try to escape only further entraps them. It's like the old Chinese, uh, what do you call them? Chinese handcuffs, they call them. That the more you pull on them, the tighter they become. This man, ladies and gentlemen, can you see it? He's trapped. He's trapped. Now, Jesus comes along in Mark 5, and he's different than the men. The men, the people in town, tried to bind him, tried to tame him. What they were going to do was stop him from acting out the symptoms of the condition. They weren't concerned about the demon or the demons in him as long as he didn't act out the symptoms of the condition. And that's the best man can do. That's the best medicine can do. When, when people have sort of mental issues, they give them medicine not to fix them, but to stop the manifestation of the condition. Well, I wish I had some more help in here. And the best man can do is medicate or incarcerate in an attempt to rehabilitate. But man doesn't have the power to deal with the root cause of the issue. Man doesn't have, doesn't have the power or the wherewithal to deal with the actual problem on the inside. But Jesus comes. Come on, you know, your, your, mom, your mama couldn't fix you. Tell the truth. Your, your daddy couldn't fix you. Here's the truth. They, they beat you. Y'all, some of y'all don't want to believe Y'all know what a beating is? When you were a child, you lied and your, your mama beat you. Your daddy beat you for a lie. Hopefully they beat you for a lie. Did they beat you? If not, we, we, can, we can make up for it. They, 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 they. You lied, and they beat you. But did you stop lying? No. Because lying is a spirit. You're grown, and now you're lying. People can't beat you. Because if you never get to the root of the issue, all you ever do is treat the symptoms. If a person is promiscuous, that's not the issue. If a person gets strung out on drugs, alcohol, that's not the issue. If a person turns into a fighter and a, and a brawler, that's not the issue. The issue is something that, that you can't see on the outside. But we serve a God who can get to the root the issue. Jesus shows up on the shores of Gadara. And the moment he shows up, this man runs to him, falls at his feet to worship. Jesus had, you read Mark 4, they got through a storm to get there. Jesus had told him to, to the disciples in Mark 4, let's get in the boat, let's cross the other side. He's going to deal with this man. And all of a sudden, the devil, because he knows what happens when Jesus shows up. I got to keep Jesus from showing up at Gadara. Because if Jesus can get across this water to Gadara, he's going to shut my whole organization down. That's why the devil works so hard to keep some of you, some of us, from getting to God. Don't go to church. No, y'all miss that. That's why when folk get caught up in sin, he'll have folks stay away from church. Stay away from those other Christians. Because he knows if you and I get around the right people in the right atmosphere, Jesus is going to deal with the actual root of the issue. So Jesus shows up in Mark 5 at Gadara. And notice here, I want to show you something here. Y'all got time? Yes, sir. Good God, it's late. Mark 5, man, I might have to finish this Wednesday. Okay, Mark 5, 
verse 2, it said that there appeared out of the tombs a man who was cutting himself. Is that what it says? A man who was out there doing all kind of crazy stuff. No. A man with unclean spirit. Because the Holy Spirit who lays this out for us is going to tell us exactly what the issue is. The issue is not him cutting himself. The issue is not him doing all his behavior. And I'll, I'll tell you this here in a minute. The issue is that the man had an unclean spirit. And when Jesus comes, he's going to deal with this unclean spirit. Everybody say unclean spirit. Glory to God. In fact, look over, pop over, over to verse 8. Verse 8. Verse 8. For he said to him, he said to him, stop sleeping around. What did he say? Come out of the man unclean spirit. So he's going to get right to the issue. Boy, this is helping somebody, I hope. Everybody say unclean. Now, that word unclean, you look it up in the Greek, it means impure. Listen to this, ceremonially, morally, lewd, or especially demonic, foul, unclean. Morally lewd, everybody say lewd, L-E-W-D, lewd. You ever heard of lewd and lascivious conduct? Promiscuous. I was promiscuous, lewd. And the cause of the promiscuity. Y'all, yes, no, nobody want to admit this, though. No. The cause, so y'all, I ain't never had a demon. Use a lie. That's right. You're not going to get out of your bed calling nobody at 3 a.m. unless you got a spirit. This unclean spirit that causes this lewdness, this man was full of this unclean spirit, and they had to bind him because with a man like that bad off, nothing and nobody's off limits. Y'all miss it. He's got a lewd spirit. He's got a lewd spirit. And when you got a lewd spirit, nothing and no one. Is off limits. So none of the girls were safe around this man. None of the women were safe around this man. None of the boys were safe around this man. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. None of the men were safe around this man. Because this man was full of unclean spirits. He had an unclean spirit. He wasn't just, oh, I'm just experimenting. Y'all, y'all, I love the way y'all look. He had an unclean spirit, a lewd spirit. I imagine this man was flashing people all the time. How do you know? Because we'll see later in the chapter, I'll, I'll probably get to it tonight, that when he finally got delivered, they were shocked when they found a man sitting and clothed. The Bible was specific to point out that when he got delivered, he was finally clothed. Because a one of the signs that you're dealing with a, with a lewd, unclean spirit is when you don't know how to cover up your body. Y'all better We always got to pull it down and pull it up and show everything. You're dealing, ladies and gentlemen, with a lewd spirit, with an unclean spirit. No, that's just a church folk trying to control how I dress. No, that's demons controlling how you dress. And then you look at them and you run them somewhere else and they ain't covered up because it's a spirit. Just look past me. Just look past me. Don't look at me. Just look past me. No, that's just a fashion trend. It's a demon trend. The Bible says Satan is the prince of this world. So any trend you follow that's the world's, you're following Satan's trend and you're letting his demon spirits occupy your territory, this body that belongs to God. Yeah. 
When he was delivered, Laquanda, he was closed. Cover yourself up and stop letting demons tell you how to dress. You ain't gonna tell me nothing. I'm not, I ain't gonna tell me nothing. No, but you let the devil tell you something. Pastor can't tell you nothing, but the demons tell you how to dress every day. Y'all can get mad at me and quit. That's that's fine. That's fine. But the demons still gonna run your life. Clothed. Which meant before he was unclothed. He was lewd. If somebody gets arrested deep for lewd and lascivious behavior, what do they do? They say, oh, he's been flashing somebody. Out there doing stuff in public. Things that ought to be done just between a husband and a wife at home, they're out there doing it in public. That's lewd and lascivious conduct. This man, the Bible says, had an unclean spirit. Oh, I didn't mean to spend this much time on this, but this is since the door been kicked open, I'm just going through it. It's not old-fashioned to cover yourself up. It's holiness. The Bible, the Bible says specifically about women that women ought to dress as it becomes holiness. And Gucci don't change the Bible. Hollywood don't change the Bible. The Bible is right. And somebody's wrong. This man with a loose spirit, unclean spirit. Oh, God. Lord, Lord, help them hear me today. This man with an unclean spirit, nothing was off limits for him. Didn't matter if it was a male or female, a boy or girl, didn't matter what it was. A little lascivious spirit. I don't know if even the dogs were saved. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Because bestiality was around back then just like it is around now. God warned them about bestiality. What's bestiality? It's sex with animals. As a matter of fact, necromancy. When people would be intimate with dead things. This man made his dwelling in the tombs. He was a lewd, unclean man. <laughs> I bet you never heard that before. Yeah, no, this man, he's an unclean spirit. He's out of control. Nothing and nobody's off limits to him. Oh, y'all think this stuff ain't real. <laughs> uh, you better wake up. I know you've been in your little sanctified circle for the last 20 years, but you better wake up about what's really going on in this world out here. Pastor, why you got to say all this? Because I'm trying to paint a picture as to how bad this man was. How, how horrible his condition was. So that you know that your cousin's little issue ain't nothing God can do. That your child, who seemed to be acting up all the time, you think it's hopeless for my child. No, 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 ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Lord. Listen to this. You cannot medicate sin. You cannot rehabilitate sin. You can only incarcerate sinners. The truth of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, listen to this. The sinner is already a prisoner. The sinner is already a prisoner. In John 8, 34, Jesus said this. Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. He said, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. So a sinner is already a prisoner. Somebody say unclean spirit. Look at this, Mark chapter 1. Mark 1. I'm going to give you just a couple more points here. I'm just, glory to God. Mark 1. I didn't mean to preach this long. Look at Mark 1. Verse 23. I'm going to show you unclean spirits. 
Mark 1.23. Now, there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit. That's, that's, I'm, I'm going to bring it out here. There's a man in a synagogue with a what? Where was he? In, the in church. Their version of church. No, nah, ain't nobody coming to church with an unclean spirit. There was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit. Which means attending church does not deliver you from, from unclean spirits. Coming to church every Sunday and every Wednesday does not exempt you from an unclean spirit. Because this man was in their synagogue with an unclean spirit. And he cried out. <laughs> I guarantee he had acted up before. This was the man they probably, you know, the ushers were already always on him. Security team probably had all the cameras on this guy every service. Anytime the little girl went to the bathroom, if he got up, every, all everybody in security would. Why wow, he had an unclean spirit? Little boy, little man. The men, men probably went to the bathroom two by two. I'll use your imagination for me. Come on, this. But they're having church, if you will. And this is a functioning man in the church with an unclean spirit. He cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. Shut up and come out. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. Then they were all amazed so that, so that they questioned among themselves saying, what is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority, he commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. So this man was going to church with an unclean spirit. Now, you, 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 you may not ever uh, give this testimony, but I want to testify to you. I was going to church every Sunday, every Tuesday, every Thursday, going to my parents' church in Tampa every Wednesday, every Friday with an unclean spirit. You ain't got to admit it. You, just, you, just look, you look on like you always been holy. You look on like you always done everything right. But I'm telling you, me, my testimony, when I was grown, I had an unclean spirit. I'm going to push a little more because you don't, you don't, you don't definitely want to say this. After I got saved, 33 years ago, I had never dealt with that unclean spirit. Y'all save, sanctify, Holy Ghost, fill, five times, Lord. I love you. I love you. I love you. But I was walking around preaching. Y'all don't hear. I got saved in February and started preaching in April, the same year. Preaching with an unclean spirit. the root of your issue. You try to use your willpower. And demons will over, always overpower your willpower. Y'all ain't got to say nothing, but I'm just going to be by myself. What until I finally cried out like this man cried out and said, Jesus, help me. I don't want to be walking around here with this unclean spirit, not able to control my flesh. cute, but I'm going to testify. I told you, once I tell it, the devil can't hold nothing against me. Once
once I become real, he can't hold anything against me. And I'm glad that by the power, by the grace of God, I've been delivered from an unclean spirit. I wasn't just doing unclean things, I had an unclean spirit. Yeah, you know what? You know, the, the problem with so many Christians is so many Christians try to do holy things without the Holy Ghost. Oh, y'all don't want to say that. Trying to do holy things without the Holy Ghost. And if you don't have the Holy Ghost, you can somehow drum up from time to time holy things, but without the Holy Ghost, you're going to resort back. I might as well go preach in a Baptist church. Y'all Pentecostal folk act like y'all act like y'all always done everything right. This man was in church because religion has no answers. Religion has no answers to the real problems. In fact, all religion does is create more questions. wasn't until Jesus comes along. Look at this. Verse 27, they were all amazed. The religious folk were amazed, which means they had never seen this. They had never done this. They had never experienced this. A man get free? Religion will never free anybody. You can't get free until you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And fellowship with him. Hallelujah. Go to church. That's good. Go to church. That's good. That's a good start. I'll tell you that, but church won't change your life. Oh, I talking to church. That changed my life. No, church will not change your life. Jesus will change your life. That's why your shirts don't say the church changed my life. Jesus. And the reason we say Jesus is not God is because we want to be specific. We want to be specific. That when people talk about God, what God are we talking about? The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because there are all kind of gods out there in the world. But it's imperative that we let people know, no, Jesus, the Son of God, changed my life. I grew up in church. Born on the altar. It was a wretched sinner. Even when I got saved, I didn't let go of all my sins. No, I know some of y'all now, you think very little of me now. Well, I thought he was always perfect. Nope. I have some news for you. If you were to look at Mark 3, I'm not I'm trying to go over there. Mark 3, verse 1, there's a man who the Bible says had a withered hand yes. in the synagogue. Yes. Right in church and never got healed. Wasn't until Jesus Christ showed up, right. he gets healed. Right. Yeah. Yes, sir. 13th chapter of Luke, there's a woman who's been bowed over 18 years, yes. who can in no way raise herself up in the church. Jesus shows up and changed her life. So being in church is wonderful. But what's going to change me, what's going to change you is Jesus. Mark 5, this man had an encounter with Jesus. Yes. This man with an unclean spirit. Now, just, just to, just to uh, cut this off somewhere here. I want you to look at one more place. Look at Mark 7. Mark 7. Mark 7. 
wish I had hours to preach here. Mark 7. Verse 24. I want you to see now what, what happens when an unclean spirit is in charge. Mark 7, verse 24. From there he arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and wanted no one to know it. Jesus is going to hide out here, going to rest. He needs to take a break. But he could not be hidden. Why? For a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him. And she came and fell at his feet. Now this woman, her daughter, the Bible says, had an unclean spirit. So it's not just men, is it? And it's not just grown-ups, is it? Because no, no. it said his, her young daughter, which means her little girl. So you don't have to wait till you're 25 and, and wait till you hit college before you get promiscuous or, or caught up. This young daughter had an unclean spirit. Now watch what happens though. The Bible says this woman whose daughter had an young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him. What? She heard about him. Which meant somebody else had to testify. Somebody else had written their testimony out. And didn't think it robbery, Laquana, to share their testimony about what Jesus had done for them in their own life. So this woman who was desperate and hopeless, all of a sudden hears, hears about Jesus and now she gets some hope. I'm telling you, you are riding around with somebody's hope trapped inside your heart. Your testimony about what Jesus Christ has done in your life is what somebody else needs to hear so that they will have hope in their desperate situation. I want you to imagine this woman, the Bible says, who her young daughter had an unclean spirit. And she fell, the Bible says, she came out and fell and she worshipped him. She was a Greek, verse 26. Y'all see that? A Gentile, we could, we could call it. Which means, which means she was not part of the covenant family. She had no right to ask him. But the Bible says she kept asking him. And she kept asking him, watch this, to cast the demon out of her daughter. Which meant this mama recognized there's a demon. I took my daughter to counseling. I whipped her every day. I'm going to come over here. I don't whooped her every day. I beat her behind her. She was roped like okra. I got the butter from the duck Tuesday. I punched it in the mouth on Thursday. And she still, I, I mean, she got suspended from school. She been in JDC for 30 days. Nothing's helped. She finally said, you know what? That's a demon. Now, I know it's all grown ups, y'all all is fine. My daughter don't have no demon. My child don't have no demon. Uh, as long as you keep pretending. No, it's just because the daddy walked out on them. No, 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 it's a demon. Well, just because of they, they saw so much growing, you know, early on. No, no, no. Now, that may be what opened the door for the demon. But you, you better recognize if all your beating and all your scolding and all your punishment and all that therapy can't fix it, it is a demon. And this woman, watch this. Look, look at this here. They can put it on the screen for me. Look, look, at, look at how bad, it off, how bad off this thing is. Because it says this, this, this woman, her, her daughter, had a, had, a, had a demon. And in Mark, I'm sorry, in Matthew 15, 22, 
Matthew 15, 22. I want you to see what this woman says about, about this. Look, put up Matthew 15, 22 for me, please. Matthew 15. It says, and behold, this is the same story. Yes. A, a woman of Canaan, Canaan came from that region and cried to him saying, have mercy on me, O Lord. Have mercy on me, O Lord. Have mercy on me, O Lord. Because I know my daughter was a demon, but this is affecting all of us. Help me. Son of David, my daughter is severely demon-possessed. I want you to see that she understands this is serious. I, we tried Ritalin. <laughs> she got 12 o'clock meds every day. I put on a chastity belt and she sawed it off. Oh, did y'all forget there's an unclean spirit? Oh, y'all thought she was just lying, right? She's lewd. Now, okay, all right, let me, let me help you because um, I want you to picture her scenario. Have mercy on me. You can go back to Mark. Have mercy on me because I want you to imagine this mama because you know the Bible doesn't bring up a daddy. We don't know what daddy was. Might have been daddy connected with the mama and he gone. Or Daddy might have messed with the daughter. And he gone. Something opened this daughter to demons. I wish I was in a blur. But this woman came to Jesus by herself. So we can now assume she's dealing with this daughter by herself. Now, if this daughter has a demon spirit, severe demon possessed, how is this woman working? How can she work? She got she to gotta watch this girl. Because if I come home from work, she's gone. How, how do we go around the family reunion? Y'all, see y'all not thinking about that kind of how are we going to the family reunion? Because everybody know my daughter. We can't go hang out the family weekend. We're going to have crabs this weekend at great grandma house, and we can't go because everybody knows my daughter is that daughter. My daughter's that one. I love y'all looks in y'all faces, boy. Y'all. Okay, this this is this mom. Okay, how how. How does she date? She can't bring a man in the house. Not with the daughter like this. Because while you cooking, she'll be cooking in the other room. I'm trying to paint a picture. I'm trying, I'm trying to paint a picture. So you understand when, this, when, the, when the, the lady says, Lord, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Help me, Lord, help me. This is not some small-time issue she's dealing with here. Her whole life is a wreck. But, but, watch this. She heard somebody's testimonies. Y'all missed that. She heard somebody's testimony. Because it says she heard about Jesus. And somebody said, hey, Betty, I know you're dealing with a lot with this little girl. But let me tell you about my story. I was going along and my son was giving me all kind of problems or my family had all kind of issues and I met this man named Jesus. And Jesus changed my life. And I believe, Betty, if you will call on Jesus, if you will get a hold of Jesus, he can change your life too. So much. And that story was so compelling that this Gentile woman who had no right, no authority to even come in his presence, press 
protocol. His disciples said, Lord, shut her up. She said, His disciples didn't even want to let the woman in the, in the room. She said, I ain't here for y'all. Come on. I heard about a testimony. They didn't say nothing about Peter did something. They said nothing about James did anything. They said, Je I'm looking for Jesus. Jesus, are you Jesus? Oh, no, get out of the way. Are you, are you, no, you're not. I'm, I'm looking for Jesus. Jesus, is he, he in there? He trying to rest. No, is he in there? I wish somebody's faith would get that bowl. Is he in there? Oh, I need some help. Is he in there? He trying to rest. I listen, I ain't gonna let him rest. I need some help. Jesus, he will answer prayer. She called Jesus. And even Jesus said, woman, now don't you know I can't give the children's bread to the dogs? She said, call me a dog all you want to. But even the dogs eat the crumbs from the master's table. And Jesus said, oh man, you know what? For this saying, go your way, your daughter is healed. You have what you want. And the Bible says she went back home and found her daughter lying on the bed. Cured from that very hour. She's home. She know good and well all this time she don't left from her home and went all out of town. Ain't no telling what she get back to the house be full of men, house be full of girls, house be, be all, I mean, all kind of stuff going on. But not when she's cured. From that very hour. Now I want you to imagine that lady now with her testimony. Somebody else's testimony ministered to her. Now she turns into a preacher. All right. I'm going to stop there. I'll pick this up on Wednesday night. Because every one of these people you'll see throughout the scriptures, they'd always shift, they'd always turn from a problem to a preacher. Every time you see Jesus heal somebody, open their blind eyes. He said, hey, don't go tell nobody. The man healed the one leper, and he said, hey, don't go tell anybody. And the Bible says, oh, he went everywhere telling everybody. About it. Because you can't help yourself. We just sing a song. I said I wasn't going to tell nobody, but I couldn't keep it to myself. Jeremiah said his words like fire shut up in my bones. When God has done something in your life, you have to tell it. And you never know that person you're going to run into who's reached their wit's end. This woman very well might have had a thought that if something don't happen with this daughter, I'm going to kill her, I'm going to kill myself. See, you don't know when God's going to use your testimony to reach somebody Who's at the last straw? And if you've ever had a problem or you've ever been a problem and you met Jesus and he changed your life, you have the duty, might I say the obligation, to now take the story that you have and share it with somebody. Because the only reason you came to Jesus is because somebody else told you. Somebody else testified about what he had done for them. And if we're going to live this life until Jesus comes, we need to take that and keep passing it on. Keep passing it on. And watch how God will touch people's lives. Amen? Amen. I'm going to quit right there. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Come on, give God a praise if you received that word today. Come on, give God a praise. That's good for me, but give God a praise for that word today.
thank you, Lord. Father God, today we thank you so much for giving us your word. Thank you for the examples we have of people whose lives were changed by the power of Jesus Christ. God, your word declares in Hebrews 13, verse 8, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forevermore. And so we understand and believe that the power that he demonstrated back then is available to us now. And we know that, God, you're not done with saving people. You're not done with delivering people. You're not done with healing people. You're not done with uh, breaking people out of bondage. And, God, we are so thankful today for what you've done for us. We're so thankful today, God, for how you touched our lives, how you changed our lives. Thankful today, God, about how you saved us before it was too late. Lord, none of us know, Lord, that, that accident or that bullet that was supposed to end our lives. We don't know that moment that the devil had planned to take us out of here. But God, you so lovingly rescued us and saved us. Thank you, Father, that even when we got saved and many of us in this room were like me, Father, who still didn't do everything perfectly, still dealt with and battled all kind of issues and sins until we learn how to lay aside the weight and the sin that easily beset us, until we learn how to not yield our members to, to, to Satan and to sin, how we find, until we finally learned to yield to the power of Jesus, until we cried out to you for help and you delivered us. God, we thank you that we have those testimonies and those experiences. Now I'm asking you, Father, that you give every one of us boldness to tell it like it was and to now tell it like it is. That, God, we won't be ashamed to tell people that we were once depraved and sinful, lustful, bitter and full of strife and anger and hatred and unforgiveness and all the things that plagued us. And now we're walking at liberty walking free today because Jesus Christ changed our lives. Hallelujah. Father, if you allow, I just want to say thank you, Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for making the ultimate sacrifice for us. Thank you for coming down in the form of sinful flesh to down the cross for us, going into the very pit of hell for us, and you endured all that for us. Thank you, Father, that you raised Jesus Christ from the dead on the third day morning with all power in his hands. And now because he lives, we live. Because he has power, you've given us power. And we walk in that total victory today. God, we bless you. And we pray, Father, that this church will be magnetized to attract sinners, struggling Christians, all the same. They'll come and find the freedom, not in church, but in Jesus Christ. We thank you. We give you all the praise and all the glory and the honor. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Put those hands together again and give God a praise today.